sit here and fucking with a straight face and tell me that the Patriots are a fucking playoff team right now. You should be embarrassed with that take. That is an awful take. All right, welcome to the 53rd episode of Clubhouse Convos. Your host, Colin Scully, as usual. Finally rejoined by my good friend, Evan Mullings, after a few weeks. Yeah. hiatus for you, buddy. Yeah, well, good to be back. Um, I'm excited to bring my cold takes back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have them back. Uh, good, 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 good. Joined again by my other two friends. Newman, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Excited for the, uh, the Bruins game tomorrow. Yeah, can't wait. Should be a good tilt. Fuck the lightning. Go Boston. With a win, we surpass them in the standings. Real quick, yeah. I was I was joking with Colin. I'm like, I hope you get fucking heckled by some <laughs> drunk dude that sits behind us. I hope that happens. Uh, no response from Newman. So <laughs> Dan, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, pretty good. Uh, can't really complain. Birthday tomorrow, actually. Oh, oh boy. 21. Oh, fuck. Can we yeah. go fresh with beers? Maybe. Legally? He's a student athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a student athlete. I can't drink alcohol. <laughs> uh, well, happy Need early birthday, fit. Dan. Yes, happy I'll make sure to text you tomorrow. Um, let's jump into some power rankings, shall we? Dan, you have yes. the screen sharing ability. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done power rankings. Uh, NBA has been pretty stagnant, I'd say. Uh, yes. Since the Bulls dropped out of the top 10, it's pretty much been the same 10 teams uh, besides the addition of Minnesota this week, which we'll get to. Um, as for the NHL side of things, I think that's going to be a much more interesting discussion. Uh, but Dan, rip us through our top 10. All right. Coming in at number one, Phoenix Suns, followed by the Memphis Grizzlies at two, the Miami Heat three, Philadelphia 76ers four. Uh, Boston Celtics five. We have a tie for six between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors. Big fallers over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks at eight. The Utah Jazz at nine. And the Minnesota Timberwolves at 10. I'm not going to lie. When I first saw that Minnesota got some votes from Colin and Evan, I was like, what the hell are they thinking? And then you actually go and look. They're actually doing pretty good. So um, I'm not upset at all with these rankings. I think these are pretty good. Um, I'd argue Philadelphia is better than Miami. I mean, they just beat them without Harden or Embiid. So I don't know. That's just me. Um, to the Minnesota side of things real quick. I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago um, that Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell when playing together were uh, 45 and 30. So that would have put them on pace for a 50 win season in their first full 82 games together um they've been really impressive outside of those guys and anthony like i don't even know who else is on that roster but i think they're what sixth place in the west 42 and 28 they're uh playing really good basketball right now uh boston celtics obviously uh playing fucking out of their minds right now 22 and 4 in their last 26 games uh, i honestly considered putting them within the top five i have them at five um, but they're playing fantastic basketball. It's it's turning into a great race in the East with Miami, Philly, Milwaukee. Uh, should be a good finish down the stretch. Chicago's kind of fallen off. 
uh, which is a little surprising to me, but they have to be getting what uh, ball back pretty soon. Caruso just came back a couple of weeks ago. So. Patrick Williams just back as well. Yeah. Um, my quick thoughts on this. Well, first off, I do think Memphis is easily number two. Um, here's a tweet. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, 35 and 21. This is from, I don't know, a week ago or three days ago. Uh, are 35 and 21 with John Morant in the lineup. Um, but when he is out of the lineup, the Grizzlies are easily, this is from Stan Van Gundy, the, the Grizzlies are easily the most dominant team in the league. 14 and two without John Morant. 11 of those wins are by double figures, five by 20 or more. Point differential in those 16 games without Ja. Obviously, the 14 wins, and they're winning by an average of 17.8 points per game. So they're doing it without Ja when he's not even in there. So that to me, I I just I've been a huge fan of the Grizzlies all year. Um, obviously, new shout out to Newman for having him in the playoffs, but uh, fun team to watch. Um, secondly, I would agree with Dan. I think Philadelphia deserves to be ahead of Miami, especially after last night. Um, that was kind of when I sent. My um, rankings my were set prior to last oh, That's fair. Year. That's fair. Um, and then for Minnesota, shout out to Chris Finch and the job he's done. I just remember when they fired Ryan Saunders, people were so pissed that they hired Chris Finch. I don't know the reasons why, um, but he's done a fantastic job with that team. Talented lineup. And I'm going to the Celtics Timberwolves game with uh, 19 other brothers on Sunday. So excited to see that matchup. Two really hot teams. 19 other brothers. Big frat guy over here. <laughs> Okay, no, that's cool. I'm I'm going next Wednesday. The the Heat game, so that should be fun. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be another good one. Yeah, um, I think for me, I'm not ready to give up on the Bulls yet. I know they've been sputtering as of late, but I I still have them in my top ten over the Timberwolves, um, Celtics. Obviously, it's great to see them fucking crack the top five after they have were in a hiatus from the start of the season until like two weeks ago. Um, I just think the big thing is the fucking Warriors, man. What the hell is happening? I know. Our friend CT sent us that uh, was Draymond Green interview. Draymond, was like, that was like, oh, we, we fucking lost to the Magic. They're the worst team in the league. Um, <sighs> fucking, but they, like, a month ago, we were debating whether or not they should be the best team like, in our power rankings. Now they're a fringe top five, not even. I mean, they're they're falling apart. So, weird. Well, no Curry. doesn't know. No favors. No favor. Certainly. NHL? Yep. This one will be interesting. Probably. All right. This one had a little more movement, um, but the NHL usually always does. So uh, Colorado Avalanche still at number one. Uh, they are followed by the Florida Panthers at two, the New York Rangers at three, Carolina Hurricanes four, Tampa Bay Lightning five, Calgary Flames six, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins seven, Toronto Maple Leafs eight, the Boston Bruins nine, and the Minnesota Wild at Ten, um, I got real no like big notes on this. I guess um, I guess the Rangers finally jumping all the other teams to finally get to the three spot. I feel like they're well, just they're tied with been... Carolina. They're both yeah. At four. Oh, you're right. But still, um, I feel like for them to finally get ahead of the Lightning um, and the Maple Leafs in this power rankings, it's kind of been a while since they've actually. I don't even know if they've been ahead of them at at all in this power ranking stuff. So. But that's all I got. Uh, personally, for me to have Toronto ahead of Boston right now is sinful. Uh, Newman and Dan, both of you two, are, I think, crazy. Uh, Toronto's goaltending is pitiful. Defense also really Defense, inexperienced. Pitiful. Uh, and Boston's red hot right now. I mean, the, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a lineup card question was, 
will Boston catch Toronto? And I said, yes, but they wouldn't finish ahead of them, I think was my answer. But right now, all signs are pointing towards Boston passing Toronto and maybe even Tampa, who they're one point behind with a win in regulation tomorrow night would put them, uh, I guess it would be tonight when you listen to the podcast, but a win would put them ahead of Tampa in the standings all the way up to second in the Atlantic. So I think Boston deserves to be higher. I honestly think they are even better than nine. Um, I understand why some of these other teams are higher than them, but there's a lot of teams right now. I take Boston over Calgary in a seven game series. I take Boston over Pittsburgh in a seven game series. I take Boston over Toronto in a seven game series. The way the lightning are playing right now, I might even consider taking Boston over them in a seven game series lightning defense. I know Newman and I texted back and forth about it last night. They don't look great. Uh, and one final note, I had Edmonton as my 10th team. They had won six in a row when I sent my power rankings in. Um, and then now they lost to Colorado and Dallas. Oh, okay. Still. I mean, it, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. They're charging. No, I, and I, I think agree. the Kings would be worthy of a vote as yeah. well. Kings, big one against Nashville. I think that's a good point. Um, uh, they're kind of that quiet team that's kind of just hanging around. A um, few things for me. One, I think Florida's the best team in the league right now. Adding Giroux, I think, puts them to another level. One of the best pieces in the most recent trade deadlines. They're able to make that trade. They made a lot of trades. They added Ben Sherratt. I get they lost Ekblad, but again, they've, they've brought in a lot of pieces to help this team. I went, I got to see them in person uh, out there in San Jose playing the Sharks. I mean, they're just an unbelievable team. Mackenzie Weger, such an underrated defenseman. Um, I think they're the best team. They just got four lines. Power play is great. Um, so I would have them one. Um, and obviously Colorado was still without Landeskog. I don't know. They, they added Luckett in, which is a good add, but uh, I'd still take Ford above them. Um, I think Calgary's still top five. Um, love their you, defense. You are the only one that has. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was looking at Tampa. I was going to say the only one with them outside of the top five. Yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> Calgary's still top five to me. Uh, they got one of the best two lines in hockey. Um, I love their defense, and obviously Markstrom's been on another level, so I'd still have them top five, um, especially with Carolina kind of sputtering a little bit. Uh, Tampa with a couple losses. Um, I'd take Calgary above those two teams. Um, and then, yeah, those are the big notes. I'd agree with Colin on Toronto-Boston. Just a young defense with Sandine, uh, Timothy Lid Lidgren, or whatever his name is. Uh, I think Muzzin's still out. So it's like – and Jack Campbell hasn't been good. He's out right still, so – I think the Bruins over them, but yeah. Real quick on the Flames, did anyone see Markstrom last night? That clip of him yeah. just destroying some guy's leg. He should be suspended for that. I see it. It, it just like <laughs> some guy pushed the puck in after the net. Markstrom wasn't even in the net, and Markstrom turned around and like swung his fucking stick like a baseball bat at this guy's kneecap. Uh, I think you should get suspended for that. And Marshan's getting suspended for a little fucking head tap here and there. Uh, I think that's garbage, but interesting to see if the league does anything about that. Uh, Newman or Dan, any thoughts on the NHL rankings? Um, I think for me, I'm not ready to buy in on the Rangers yet. I know I had them in my cup final, but Shesterkin has recently eclipsed 40 starts. That's the most he's ever had, and he's since been pulled twice. Uh, so I'm wondering if the, the workload has started to take a toll on his his heart level season. Um, obviously, the, the deadline, they definitely won the deadline um, in terms of the players they got. So I, I'm optimistic that they will turn it around. Uh, the Flames, like Evan said, are still fucking gross. I mean, 
I did sit. I saw actually saw the Markstrom clip on the way home today. It was fucking hilarious. I they play with some kind of energy that is really cool. Um, I think the Maple Leafs, while the goal, yeah, the goaltending has been bad. They've won two of the last three with fucking that Shalgren guy. So like, as long as they get mediocre goaltending, they're going to score four or five goals a game. Like it's not. It's like what Edmonton's doing. They can win games that way. And if Campbell comes back and plays at any level like he did in the first two months, they're going to still be very good. Um, but I'm overall, I'm pretty happy with this list and a big game tomorrow um, in the East. That'll definitely shake out my rankings if things go poorly. Poorly for you, that is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I got nothing. All right, um, we'll stick on the topic of the NHL. Obviously, trade deadline happened on Monday. There were a flurry of moves. First one on my list is a Boston transaction. It's the acquisition of Hampus Lindholm, a young defenseman from Anaheim, gave up a first, two second-round picks, John Moore and Yarrow back in Einan. Um, Boston then extended Lindholm for eight years at $6.5 million per year. Uh, I think it's a great deal for Boston your top two pair in McAvoy and Lindholm for the next eight years. Uh, Lindholm kind of do it all good on the power play, good on the penalty kill. It gives you meaningful minutes every night, probably 22 to 25 minutes. I would guess for Cassidy, um, not as many as McAvoy, but a close second, I would assume would be how it shakes out. Uh, I think this was a great deal. Boston needed to do something. I honestly feel like their defense has been really good this year and it wasn't super necessary to go out and get a top four guy like this, but now you have Lindholm, McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, and then Clifton, Forbert, and Riley. Pick two of those three uh, every night. That's a great top six. Um, and, and I think it positions Boston really well down the stretch. Evan? Yeah, um, I would agree. I think it was a move that they had to make. They were in the market. Uh, it was well known that they were going to be in the market for a left-shot D-man. And Lindholm was probably the best guy that was on the market. And um, my one concern was when I first saw the trade was, all right, you give up a first round pick, you give up a good prospect. I like that guy. Or whatever. Um, you gave up a second, right. For a guy who was a, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, what do they do? They lock him up for eight more years at six and a half. I have no problem with that. I think like Colin said, he'll give you good minutes. Um, talented defenseman that will be sticking around in Boston for a while. And I, and I like the trade. They had to do something and, um, I, I was surprised to see them not move to Brusque. Uh, I think we all kind of thought that was probably going to happen, especially after that extension. But the Winhole move, the Winhole move, was a good one for for Dom. No, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's a great move, and especially when you can extend them for eight years. My only concern when I was looking at the lines that they are going to break up the Grizzly McAvoy pairing, which has been so fucking. They haven't good. played together for like the last month and a half. It's been really, McAvoy, who's, who's been on the top? McAvoy and Mike Riley. Oh wow. Okay. No, I saw that. I was like, oh, they're breaking up that elite pairing. I haven't watched the Bruins in so fucking long. Interesting. No, I don't like know it. why they went to that switch, but they did, and it's been working. So It's working, yeah. Then, huh. Dan, any thoughts? I know that you're probably going to be pretty quiet throughout this segment. Yeah. Um, I guess, really, um, we've had multiple conversations of how the Bruins had to go out and get some defensive help. So to finally see them actually go out and get – what you guys say is a very promising young player in the league. Um, I, I guess that's just very good because I feel like a lot of trade deadlines over the years, the Bruins have just kind of not made the big splash moves that are needed to go uh, and win a cup and where the East is so competitive this year. I'm happy that they actually went for it and got somebody of this caliber. So I, I, I like the trade. 
Uh, obviously, I, I'm kind of a casual when it comes to hockey, um, but I like that the Bruins are doing everything they can to position themselves for a Stanley Cup run. I w- real quick, I would just uh, like to add, um, Dan brought up how competitive the East is, right? And, like, let's go through kind of real quick. The eight teams who are in playoff spots and kind of their ads, right? So uh, Tampa Bay got Hagel. Toronto got uh, – well, You're taking Donald. everything off my list right now, you fuck. Oh. Well, I'm just I'm, – I'm outlining how competitive the East is. Yeah. All eight teams Made went and got somebody. Yeah, except Washington. Marcus Johansson. Yeah, but you know, he's going to be a non-factor. I watched them last night. They looked like shit. They played uh, St. Louis. Louis, yeah. yeah. St. Louis dominated them. Yeah. The Sorry to steal your thunder, buddy. Yeah, you motherfucker. Um, another team in the Eastern Conference that made a, a sizable move would be the Max Domi trade pretty much at the buzzer. He heads to Carolina from Columbus. It was actually a three-team deal, which I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know any of the other pieces that went to – it was Columbus, and I think Detroit was the third team involved. Um, I didn't recognize any of the other pieces that moved, but still Domi – I mean, he's, what, two, three years removed from a point-per-game season in Montreal. Um, so definitely a guy that can produce at the highest levels in the NHL. I think that's a good ad for Carolina. Obviously, very deep on offense to begin with. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, very deep on offense, very deep down the middle. I don't know where they're going to be playing Domi. But you the can, wing, I would suppose. Probably the wing. Um, but Carolina is, like you noted, Colin, so deep. I mean, you look at their centers, right? Ajo, uh, Kakaniemi, Stahl down the middle. Trocheck, uh, Trocheck, right? So they're your four centers, and then it's like adding Domi, a speedy guy who's going to be playing on the wing. Yeah, he'll fit in just just fine with these guys. And I honestly so think he's going to play him. third line. You think it's Aho, Taravainen, and and Jarvis yep. play together, and then you have um, Shveshnikov, Trocheck, and. Fill in the blank. What's his Natchez, name? Nature's 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 and Niederreiter. Nature's and Niederreiter. Yeah, there's so many offensive Austin. plays. Yeah, probably a third. It's yeah, a good he move. probably will play on the third line, but yeah, good move. Um, stacked. If you guys have nothing else, the next one, another Eastern Conference team, uh, Ricard Raquel going to Pittsburgh for a second, and Zach Ashton Reese along with a prospect going back to Anaheim. Um, What's the deal with Anaheim just making trades with fucking Eastern Conference teams every trade deadline? I think that's the third year in a row Boston and Anaheim have made a deal mm. at the deadline. Um, but I like this move for Pittsburgh a lot. And just knowing Pittsburgh, Raquel's going to have like 20 points to finish the year as their third-line center acquisition always fucking does. Yeah, you got to think about Jeff Carter, right, last year. Like anything that Pittsburgh does at the deadline. Derek Broussard a couple of years ago. Exactly. Everything Pittsburgh does at the deadline seems to turn to gold. So I would agree. I think Raquel is going to have a really good uh, end to the year here and probably postseason. I mean, just the, knowing Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed with like an hour left that they hadn't made their move for a third line forward. And then there you go. I was, I was pleasantly surprised and they have them playing on the third line with Carter and Kapanen, which I think, I mean, I, I would move them up over fucking Dan Heinen. I hate that guy, but yeah, Heinen sucks. I, I still like the acquisition. Too bad the Bruins couldn't get him for the Bruns mm. or something. No. Next on the list, Andrew Kopp, who Newman mentioned. Uh, the Rangers were the deadline winners, in his opinion. He goes to the Rangers for a couple second-round picks. They also got who? Uh, Tyler Mott, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good deal. And Justin Braun. Yeah, good deals for the New York Rangers. Um I don't really have too much to add to this one. I feel like Kopp just kind of fits in in that 
almost bottom six for New York. I feel like their top six is full of a bunch of dazzling guys, guys with great hands, make really creative, fun plays to watch in their bottom six. Choose up minutes, great on the four check, um, and and Cop is a perfect fit for that, I think. Yeah, gives him a good penalty killer. Uh, kill penalties in Winnipeg. That was kind of one of his strong suits with Adam Lowry up there. Um, so now he comes to New York, and uh, I like I like the fit a lot. Yeah, great fit. Every I think everyone knew they needed some some help in in the wing department, and they did get Vetrano last week. I think people forgot That's right as he, well. He did score the other day, so good for them to bring in all those pieces. Uh, we might as well just finish off the uh, Eastern Conference deals. I only have two Western Conference deals on this uh, on my list. So very active deadline for the Eastern Conference teams. We already touched upon Toronto. They acquired Mark Giordano for two seconds and a third uh, going back to Seattle. Um, honestly, it feels like an overpay to me. He's only got 23 points on the year. Older, definitely. I know Toronto needs to fix that defense, but – I don't know if he's really worth two seconds plus another pick. Um, interesting note, which I sent to the group chat, is Seattle currently has more draft picks over the next three years than they do players under contract right now. Um, so a clear rebuild there, basically the opposite path that Vegas took. Trade to everybody. Uh, yeah, literally traded everyone. So um, good move, uh, I think, for Toronto. Um Toronto fans were just so pissed on Twitter that every other team in the Atlantic had done something uh, up until that point. And Toronto was like, all right, when, when is it our turn? They did also get Colin Blackwell, who's, it was pretty good. So um, I like to move for Toronto. I think, you know, they had to add another defenseman because they're D corps right now, the state of them, they're just so young and, and inexperienced. So getting a guy like Giordano will do so much for them. What's up, Dan? Um. I thought it was more breaking news, but Bobby Wagner is currently in the building for the uh, Los Angeles Rams right now. And it seems both sides are working towards a deal. So could be done in the next hour or later today. So, mm. wow. I think Matt Judon's like, oh, for 10 on recruiting. I'm not too happy with his. Effort. He sucks. <laughs> Worst GM ever. I mean, he's doing his best. Fuck, dude. The guy's on Twitter 24 7 tweeting at motherfuckers. All these guys uh, are tweeting back at him, just laughing at him. He's just, we need Odell. So should have got Juju. Maybe some TikToks. Uh, Newman, any thoughts on the Giordano deal? Um, I don't know. It's an okay trade. I, I'm I'm happy the Leafs didn't give up a first. I know Seattle was kind of looking at the other the defenseman market and we're hoping to get a first. But I mean, I don't think it's like a that impactful of a signing for them. They didn't get any goaltending. They waived Morazic and then picked him back up. It seems like so. That's kind of a useless move. What was up with Kyle Dubas and the Blackhawks GM? Did, they, did anyone look into that? No. No idea. I, I just saw that Dubas was pissed that, like, the Blackhawks' new GM, Davidson, like, leaked that they were interested in Flurry or something. I don't know. It was just – but, yeah, I agree, Connor. They should have got a goaltender. I am. I'm surprised they didn't get Kakinen after – Minnesota exactly. got Flurry or Reimer. I I know yeah. I know the Sharks weren't keen on getting rid of Reimer, but for the right price, I think they could have pried him away. No. Oh, yeah. um, while we're on the topic, Mark Andre Flurry traded to the Minnesota Wild uh, for a conditional second round pick that could turn into a first. I'm not sure how, um, but I think it's a great deal for Minnesota. His numbers are piss poor this year, uh, piss poor, like a two nine something and a nine oh five. Not very good. Um, but you got to hope with that Minnesota defense in front of him, the way they play hockey, very, very different from Chicago. Chicago, very run and gun, 
score a lot of goals, don't prevent many. Uh, Minnesota is kind of a, a more structured defensive team that has some offensive spurts when Kaprizov has the puck. Um, but I think it's a great move for Minnesota. And Chicago to get something for a guy that wasn't going to do anything for you. Mm. I agree. Um, I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves, as everybody here knows, is kind of having two goalies that you're not really sure who's going to get the most of the starts in the playoffs, right? It's kind of like back and forth. Kakin and Talbot were kind of splitting, although it seemed like uh, it was starting to become Talbot's job, which is probably why they felt comfortable enough to trade him, trade Kakin. Um, you know, I, I still wonder, because Kim Talbot, like, played pretty well in his first game. After the deadline, I mean, he shut out Vegas. I mean, shutting out Vegas, I guess, is nothing impressive anymore. But hello, um, Buck last night, I think, stopped 40 yeah, something shots. I, got him I watched the third period, that was a fun game to watch. Um, but so I don't really know how it's going to go. Like, I assume they'll probably kind of split down the stretch and we'll see kind of who has the hot hand going into the playoffs. But I think if you're Minnesota, you should almost try to set it up to give Flurry more starts at the end and see if he can get some confidence going to the playoffs. I'd rather go into the playoffs with Flurry than Talbot starting. And I think it was a good move. No, I agree. I think it is a good move for them. I mean, the two, the two faced off last in last year's playoffs, they both put on a fucking clinic all series. Um, mm-hmm. I think I saw a lot of people upset that they traded away Kakening because he's so young, but I think they forgot they just drafted Jesper Wallstedt. Then he's like two years away from being in the league, so I wouldn't even worry about that. I do like Kakanen a lot, so that is a big pickup for the Sharks. Um, I think he has a chance to be their guy in the future, but I think it was a move the Wild needed to make with the way they're kind of tumbling down the standings. Uh, moving back to the Eastern Conference, perhaps the biggest deal of the deadline Claude Giroux heading to Florida for uh, prospect Owen. Is it Owen? Yep. Owen Tippett, uh, a 2024 first and a third in 2023 going back to Philly. Clear win here for me is Florida. Um, for Philly to not get a first round pick this year. And really, I mean, fuck. It's Giroux. He's best, produced this best, year. like trade chip at the deadline and. A while, I feel. I mean, Tippett's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely has a lot of potential. You could view him as getting a first-round pick. So it's basically two first-round picks. But still, I feel like they could have gotten more, especially with Florida being so all-in right now. I think uh, Philly kind of swung and missed. But also, as our good friend CT pointed out, uh, David Fletcher's hands were pretty much tied. Um, or Chuck Fletcher. Chuck or David? Chuck. Chuck. Yeah, David Fletcher's baseball, baseball player, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chuck Fletcher's hands pretty much tied with Drew saying he really only wanted to go to Florida. I actually saw that Boston had the best trade offer on the table, um, but Drew's unwillingness to go anywhere else besides Florida kind of fucked them over. Yeah, I mean, clear win for Florida. Uh, they're number one in my power rankings. Uh, I know Drew's going to be playing with Barkov or Hagee. It's going to be a great line to watch. And oh, Florida's dangerous. I think they have a real shot yeah. uh, to win a Stanley Cup. I, I kind of like how they match up. Against Carolina, especially, they've won a lot of these head-to-head matchups with Carolina. Tampa's the concern matchup, I think, if you're Florida, uh, just because of how things have gone in the past. I think Florida matches up well against Boston. I think they match up well against Toronto. Um, I think if you're Florida, you just don't want to play Tampa, which I don't think will happen round one. So I think Florida's destined for some really good things here. Yeah, they got the prize of the fucking deadline, which I'm not too thrilled about. I think they are the team to beat in the Atlantic right now. They're fucking gross. I mean, if we get like Bobrovsky of, of old, they're, they're going to the Stanley cup. They're fucking gross. So. Yeah. Uh, the last uh, Dan, anything? No. 
<laughs> uh, the last deal that was a headline deal, I guess, in the Atlantic or the Eastern Conference, I should say, um, was Brett Hagel going to Tampa Bay. I didn't realize how much they gave up. A couple prospects and two firsts going back to Chicago. Um, but a good young forward. I like the addition. Although it's just like, did Tampa really need him? Is my question for that price. It's probably a question for Connor. That's kind of who I was directing it to. Yeah. I mean, I forget who's centering that line. I don't know. They moved him up to the second line with Point and Pilot. That's, yeah. But, I mean, he's a 20-goal scorer. I do think it was an overpay. Um, although I think the Nick Paul deal was fine. Matthew Joseph fucking sucks. So I'm glad to see him go. Um, but I don't question Julian Breesbaugh after he brought in Goudreau and Blake Coleman two years ago, and they were the integral part of our two Stanley Cups. Um, so I trust that he made the right move, even though it looks like an overpay. I thought giving up a first for Goudreau was an overpay, and that guy's was fucking incredible in the playoffs. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, he hasn't done much in the two games we've had him, but I'm optimistic that he'll he'll provide. Maybe tomorrow night he'll score a, a beauty. I think the difference between a guy like Hagel and a guy like Goudreau is Goudreau's game is just perfectly fit for the playoff style hockey, whereas Hagel's more of like a finesse. Yeah. No, I, don't I agree. Know how he fits in there, but um, I do know I that. I do think it was an overpay. I'd agree. I, I know Radish already scored for Chicago and had a couple points in, in his first game there. Um, and obviously the two first felt like a lot. I mean, you give up more to get Hagel than Giroux. Yeah. I mean, I know Giroux had the – like Colin noted, I mean, he had – he wanted to go there and Fletcher had to honor that. But, I don't know. I know he's young and under some team control, so hopefully he can continue to develop. He's had, he's had a really good year, 20 goals or something, I think. Yeah. So. It's easy when you play with Patrick Kane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last deal of notice, uh, Nick Letty. It's actually a great deal for St. Louis. Gave up Sunquist in a second um, back to Detroit. I watched, the, like I said, watched the third period last night. Tory Krug missed the third with an injury. Letty stood in on the power play. It looked like Tory Krug was out there quarterbacking it. Um, perfect fit. I think he played like 23 minutes. Um, I've always liked Nick Letty. I think he's a really sound defenseman all the way around, can provide offense, great on the defensive end, good locker room guy. I think he's a great get for St. Louis. Really vaults them over Minnesota, in my opinion, in that uh, central division. I kind of disagree. I still would take Minnesota. I just know St. Louis is just starting to go back and forth a little bit on their goaltending which obviously I hate. I think you got to stick to one. Houston's been getting most of the starts lately. Um, Bennington's kind of been sprinkled in there, but um, I don't know. Houston hasn't played very well lately. I know he won last night against Washington, played well, but hasn't been great lately, as good as he had been prior to. Um, and I just think Minnesota's ads and Minnesota's offense and defensive structure, I would take over St. Louis. And um, yeah, Nick Letty, though, I mean, listen, you can't have, ever have enough defensemen, uh, especially heading into the playoffs. So. I wouldn't be shocked to see if the Blues went around. I wouldn't be shocked if the Wild went around. I don't know. It just feels very up in the air. Like I think it wouldn't shock me if any team like made it to the cup. Feels like maybe an LA Kings like eight seed even like of twenty twelve could do it. Yeah, Honestly. with how weak the West has been. Basically, any team that doesn't run into Colorado or Calgary <laughs> until yeah, the I know. conference finals. Oh. Hopefully they just beat up on each other and knock one of them out. I mean, I am, I'm also a huge fan of Nick Letty. I, I love his play. Um, but I also am cautious. Any deal you make with Stevie Eiserman is a fucking, probably a loss. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Watch Sunquist drop 30 and 30 next year. And he's just a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah. Last night. 
I would just say one thing. I would just say one thing before we go to a different sport. I am like, I don't know. There's just something about Colorado. I know I had them in my um, Stanley Cup, but like, I really would not be shocked to even see them like get out round one. No, it's going to be round two. Round one or round two. I wouldn't be shocked. It's always round two. Yeah. Always round two. They walk through the first round and then die in the second. Well, see, I think any like I still think even Dallas could give them a fight. Like, Dallas did give them a fight a couple of years ago and beat them in the fucking second round. Um, second third, yeah. Just quick, quick. Uh, it might have been third round. Quick breaking news uh, out of the NHL: um, the Afghani Dadanov trade between Vegas and Anaheim uh, has been invalidated. So Dadanov will return to the team well, they that him, was him. willing to give up a second round pick just to get rid of him uh kind of a shitty situation for this guy like i don't i feel badly for him like do you want to go to anaheim on a team that you specifically said i don't want to be traded to or do you want to go back to the team that was willing to give up a future draft pick to get rid of you um which kind of sucks well i saw you had four goals in four games prior to the deadline the deadline happens two games for vegas and they score zero so they kind of need them if they want to Get back in this race. I think they're they're such a fraud, though. They I've been so out on them the last two and a half months. Yeah, without Stone, they're just not the same team. Yeah. And Stevenson has cooled down considerably. Thank God I dropped his ass in fantasy. <laughs> um, moving to the MLB side of things, a few uh, big names signed after the lockout. I know we kind of talked about how slow it was, but Trevor Story goes to the Boston Red Sox, six years, hundred forty million dollar deal. Um, Going to play second base for the Sox. I think it gives them the best, uh, the best infield in the MLB um, between third, short, and second, at least. Uh, the Dodgers would probably have the best with Freeman at first, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, I think it's a great move. Boston needed to do something. I'd say a top five lineup in the MLB. Um, they're scary this year. I like the Sox a lot. It's a great addition. I think he's a great fit. And a super underrated part about Trevor Story is the base stealing, which Red Sox historically over the last five, ten years have been putrid at. So. Yeah, um, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, obviously, we you got to do something. Uh, they they had the, obviously the money being in Boston, so had to spend it. They get story on on a, on a deal that I liked. I liked that it wasn't short term. They're gonna have him around for a while. This dude in Colorado was like one of the best prospects coming up. I uh, had so much hype around him, and to to have him here in I this had, lineup is unbelievable. I had him uh, that April, his rookie year in fantasy, when he hit like 13 home runs. I was fucking mm-hmm. sick. Oh, he's just – it's going to be so fun to watch him hit nukes over the monster. Monster bat flips, too. Yeah. I I also had him that his rookie year. That's why I've, I've been a fan of him ever since. I will be buying his jersey. He's wearing number 10. I think it's going to look dope. So, I'm definitely going to buy one. But, too. I mean, yeah. what a huge a huge get for, for our fucking Red Sox. And a bigger get that the Yankees didn't get him, and I know they're all fucking pissed. So And Toronto. Yeah, just to keep I actually up had Toronto. him to Toronto. That was my prediction. Yeah, I can't remember. What I yeah, but huge get for us. Dan, I gotta say, um, I give Heim Bloom a lot of shit on this podcast. Um, I, I did not expect this to happen just because I think he's a small market GM, uh, just obviously coming from Tampa. Did not expect him to give the big money. Um, and I mean, it's not like it's big money, but it, it, it's considerable spending for what I think Heim Bloom usually does. But um i'm happy they got him um it does make you question the future of uh, bogarts obviously everyone is expecting him to opt out of his contract next year 
Um, I feel like everyone's been talking about that for two years now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but love it for this season. Um, and just happy Heim Bloom's finally doing something. I think it's not Heim Bloom that we like. I think we all had this like kind of idea that he was going to come in and be like he was in Tampa, but Boston's just such a different city in terms of spending and like free Asian attraction. Nobody wants to go play at Tropicana field. Everybody wants to play at Fenway. Everybody wants to play for the Red Sox. Not everybody, but there's a draw to Boston. Right. And I think, you know, just say what you want about Heim, but he's going to spend money while he's here. I don't doubt that. Um, as for the Bogarts thing, it, it gives me a freaky, freaky similar feeling to Mookie Betts where it's like extension, 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 nothing ever happens. And then he's gone, which would really suck. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a tweet today. They, they asked him about, you know, what does his future look like? And he says, I don't know. He said, I don't care about the story signing. I'm just addicted to winning. So I don't think he cares. I think he just wants to fucking win. I feel like he's going to go though. Me I mean, too. I just, you get this bad. No, I think know? so too, but see if we can win a world series. Maybe then he'll stay. Um, as mentioned earlier, Freddie Freeman to the Los Angeles Dodgers, eight years, 162 million. Uh, personally, I think eight years way too long for Freddie Freeman. Um, but you know, they're the Dodgers, they do this all the time. You look at uh, do they sign Adrian Gonzalez to that deal or did we? I think we did. I think we did. Oh, fuck us. That was an idiotic <laughs> move. Um, but no, I think it's just a little long. Um, but I really have no problems with it. I mean, he, good one, buddy. Uh, he fits in perfect. Uh, he'd fit in perfect, really, on any team. I think it's a great signing for the Dodgers. Fuck the Dodgers, though. I'm so sick of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that he went there. I mean, my God. I mean, uh, do we even have to play this season? Like, I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, and I don't even think it's going to be very close. I just think they're going to steamroll everybody. I mean, that lineup, let's not forget, like, you know, they get Muncie Trey back. Turner, Muncie back. Like, this team is nuts and disgusting. Yeah, they lost Corey Seager, but eh, they'll make up for Now that. you have a so full year of Turner. So there, there's your Seager production. Yeah, and you just move Muncie over to second base. Like, holy shit. And Justin Turner is so underrated. I feel like he hit so well last year. I mean, they're fucking gross. I, I know Freddie Freeman, he singled uh, in his first at-bat with the Dodgers yesterday, and the fucking crowd went nuts. They're super excited to have him. So Who we're fucked. Uh, I got no real thoughts on it, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Next one, kind of a head scratcher a little bit. Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins, three years, $107 million. Uh, obviously, a lot of money there. He's got an opt-out after two years. I think this is just kind of a case where there were so many good shortstops on the market and not a ton of shortstop needy teams that were going to give out a 10-year, $300 million deal. I think Correa takes his licks here, goes there for two years, produces, and then comes back to the market at, what, 28 and makes a fuck ton of money. Yep. No, I think you said it perfect. I think that's his strategy. He's going to get paid the next two or three, however long the deal was. And then, yeah, he's going to hit the market, that, like you said, Colin, 28, 29, and he's going to get an absolute bag. So he was smart with this and his agent. I don't know who his agent is, but he's set up really nice. I still would have gone to Detroit if I was doing this. With Baez, you have Hinch there. They're an interesting team in a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I think I think the Twins are slightly better than the Tigers. Um, 
especially after you had Correa. But I, I agree. I think he sets himself up opt outs every year. So all he has to do is have one good season in the next three and he's going to fucking cash in. Um, but the twins are interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the rotation needs some work. The rotation kind of sucks outside of Sonny Gray, who they just got, and Maeda, who's been injury prone. But they have a good lineup. But if we get a full season of Buxton, they could surprise some folks, maybe second, a second place finish in the Central. Um, I guess like, obviously you guys were just talking about the whole money thing and how this is a shorter deal. Um, I do know he just recently switched agents and it's like, if he signed a long-term deal, none of that money would have went to the new agent who I believe is Scott Boris. So obviously Scott Boris tells him to sign the short-term deal, opt out after one year, sign the big contract. Now Scott Boris gets all this money. Yeah, Boris so, gets a little 10% commission on the uh, the 30 million he gets in one year. Quick three mil for Boris and then 10% on 300. Uh, you can do the math. It's a nice little payday for, for our guy, Scott. And then however many fucking clients the guy has in baseball. I think he has like eight or nine of the top 15 contracts. Yeah, like Scott Boris might be lot. richer than any professional athlete. It's crazy awesome, how much yeah. money he has. Um couple Philly signings, um, Nick Castellanos, five for 100, Kyle Schwarber, four for 80. Um, I would like to pat myself on the back on Nick Castellanos, add him to Philly. Um, I think great fit for both guys. It's a, a great move by Philly. Um, Mets obviously did a ton before the lockout. Um, and then you have Atlanta in that division as well. So it's going to be a, a good fight in uh, the NL East as it was last year. I mean, it was tight all year until the Braves kind of pulled ahead there. The Braves were a wild card anyway. So it's going to be a fun division, the NL East. Um, but I like the moves for Philly. Yeah, I do too. Uh, big Castellanos fan. I think uh, a lot of power. His game's really come along uh, really since he – it kind of was in Detroit and and then went to, like, Chicago for a little while. He's Cincinnati, he really kind of found his groove. Um you know, another hitters friendly ballpark uh, in Philadelphia. So I think both him and Schwab are nice ads for a good Philadelphia team next season. Yeah, I agree. Add some power bats. I, I, they landed just outside my top 10 in the, our upcoming power rankings. I really like them. I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, Zach Wheeler has had those injury concerns in spring training. So we'll have to monitor that, but. I think Aaron Nola will bounce back and this team will be pretty good. And they got rid of Hector Neris. So like they're fucking, they're set. Newman's favorite player. Oh, fuck that guy. Um, I like these deals. Um, obviously the Phillies have a really good lineup. I think um, just a lot of power in that lineup. Um, so I like the Phillies. I don't know as much as we say, like the, like the AL is going to be stacked. I think it's going to be tough for the Phillies to still even make the playoffs um, just with how stacked the, the NL is in the wild card race, at least. But I, I do like these signings. Yeah, I think uh, Newman mentioned him, Aaron Nola. I think a lot hinges on his ability to return to number one form. Uh, if they can have two number ones, uh, if Wheeler performs like he did last year and Nola can return to how he played two years ago, uh, it's a far scarier team than in a, a Phillies rotation with one Zach Wheeler and and Aaron Nola with a four ERA, I think led the league in home runs given up last year. So uh, he definitely has to turn around. One one signing that I forgot was the Chris Bryant to Colorado Rockies, seven years, hundred eighty two million. Another kind of head scratcher to me. Uh, more more so, what is Chris Bryant doing? Uh, I think he could have gotten that money from a contender. Um, 
I don't know. Like, what is Colorado's fucking like goal? They they trade Arenado. They don't bring back Story. Seems like they're going for a rebuild, and then they dish out 180 million to a guy who's like not a franchise altering player, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that, Colin. Um, surprised to see him not go back to San Francisco, right? Like, I thought San Francisco could have easily handed that money out. Um, they were in the market for Cassianos, an outfielder for sure, and they wound up getting Jock. I was just surprised to see him want to go to Colorado over staying in San Francisco. And, and it was like the Cubs were even interested, like even going back there, right, with all the moves that they kind of already made this offseason between Stroman and who the hell else did they have? They added some good hit. Or, well, they added Suzuki and then someone else. Yeah, so um, just puzzling. To me, maybe he's a big skier. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what what either side is like. Why are the Rockies signing him? They're the Rockies are not trying to win right now. <laughs> They're tanking, and I don't know what why they dished out that money after getting rid of Arenado's money a couple years or whatever year it was. Like what? I don't. It was so baffling to me that he didn't go back to the Giants after he said he loved the culture there, he loved the players, and I feel like he fit in really well with what they're doing. He produced right away, so I I don't know. Weird to me. I got no real thoughts on it for kind of really the reasons you guys have said. Um, just a weird move, I guess. Um, so not much to really say. All right, that uh, kind of wraps up the MLB. We'll move to the NFL, and then uh, we'll wrap up. But uh, obviously, this has been an offseason for the books. Um, first order of business, probably the biggest one in the last week or so, the Deshaun Watson trade, uh, going to Cleveland for three firsts and then a couple other later round picks. Um, I like it for Cleveland. I think there was like, there's just a lot of bad press around all the Watson drama right now. Atlanta looked really bad, um, you know, shopping for him, trying to move on from Matt Ryan, who's been so loyal to that franchise. Uh, uh, we'll touch upon Matt Ryan in a second, but, uh, and then the report that came out about Cleveland, not even calling the lawyer uh, who represents all the women with cases against him. I don't It's just like, it's an ugly look for, it just shows how business sports are, I guess. Um, regardless of the business side of things, if he plays, Cleveland is a very, very scary team, in my opinion. I don't even know. Like, like he's going to – they don't even know if he's going to get suspended. They think he might, whether it be two, four, eight, right? So then they wound up bringing in Brissette. I, I just don't understand – like – I get you should probably move on from Baker and it was probably the right decision, but like, there's just so much still up in the air. I feel like with Watson and then you guarantee all the money. Right. And you guarantee all the money. It's just like, I don't even know. I I still haven't that fully, I guess, digested that trade to really think about it, but they give up a lot and you know, it is an arms race in the AFC and Watson's kind of like a generational talent, I think. Um, So I respect the move, but like, there's just so still so much up in the air with Watson with his maybe suspension that like I just don't know how they perform next year. And still, what I think is a pretty good division, like you know Pittsburgh. I mean, 15 years in a row above 500 or something with Tomlin, they're not gonna go quietly. Cincinnati's upgraded. Baltimore's gonna have Lamar and Dobbins and all these Peters, all these guys back, and the signings that they made. So. I don't know. I, I still wouldn't be shocked to see Cleveland miss, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I honestly think they're still on the outs looking in on the playoff race. I think the, the AFC is just so fucking stacked. Their own division is stacked. And then if you think three of the West teams probably get in, they're probably out. Um, Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. I mean, it's just a weird trade. They gave up so much. Essentially what the Niners gave up to get move up to get Lance, which is weird when you put those two trades side by side. Um, but I don't know. Not like the legal stuff is weird. The, like he makes the first year worth one mil on the chance he gets like suspended sure. and shit, which is kind of telling. So I guess we'll have to see how that works itself out. But it's just a weird trade for the Browns. And now Baker is probably going to get released. The reports are saying. Mm-hmm. So Where does he fall? Like. I don't know. I feel like so many quarterbacks are moving at this point. There's not enough spots yeah, for them all. Like, like Jimmy is Jimmy G is probably going to stay now, which was weird after they've been shopping him for what seems to be like two fucking years. Um, they could just play him next year. They should. They should. They're better yeah, with him than with Lance. It seems like Lance isn't ready. So, um, this move, um, it, like, I. Every team uh, obviously looks in how you can upgrade any position. And when you're the Browns, Baker Mayfield, just you don't know if he's the guy. And if you don't know, and somebody like Deshaun Watson, who, yes, there's the, all the legal uh, baggage. Um, but as we saw, as soon as the uh, criminal cases were put to bed on Friday, at least, like all these teams are interested. As, as long as he's not going to jail, these NFL teams will deal with it. They'll pay it. The, the players will pay all the fines, all the civil suits and all that stuff. They'll figure it out. But as long as you're on the field, these teams will look at you. And like for Cleveland to upgrade from Baker to Deshaun is huge. Um, especially a franchise that's kind of been pretty shit to say the least. Um, and so you have to applaud them in the fact to get a franchise quarterback, or at least what they think will be. Um, but obviously all the negative PR, it just, it, it's weird, but it's it's bad for the women that may have actually had something done to them but it's like it's going to move on this pr will be next tomorrow or yesterday's news and people won't care if deshaun watson's playing good football so it's just weird and in terms of baker mayfield he's not good now teams were saying like they're not going to get an early draft pick for him and then you have the Browns saying they want at least a first or second round pick like I think Baker's just kind of screwed for this year, at least. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Matt Ryan um, and that whole issue with Atlanta looking at Watson, uh, Ryan was traded to Indianapolis um, for a third round pick. I don't know. It's just like, he's like a better Carson Wentz, but is he going to get you very far? I don't know. I don't know. I actually like it for Indy, and you knew Indy had a plan when they cut Wentz. And and but the but the funny thing is they had a plan when they cut Wentz, but you know it wasn't Matt Ryan because the whole Matt Ryan yeah. thing happened after they didn't get Watson. They pissed off Matt Ryan. Then he was due seven and a half or just a ton of money at one point, and then they obviously weren't going to give him that, so they had to move on from him before then. Well, and sorry to interrupt, sure. you, but Ryan even agreed to push that back a few days. So they could figure out if they were getting Watson or they were going to have to pay him that money. Like I, Ryan just did so much for Atlanta. I think it was a shitty way for him to go out. It was, it was definitely, um, I think that Indy is in a good spot. Like I still like their roster, their offense, their defense. Um, and I think Matt Ryan, I mean, he, he won an MVP, however many years ago, what, four or, four five. or five. So I think he could still get it done. And I like the move for Indy. I think he'll be a good fit. No, I will give too. up a third. 
Yeah, you only give up a third, which is pretty decent value. Um, it reminds me a lot of when they they signed Phil two years ago. I mean, a, a veteran aging quarterback can't move, but behind a good line is going to be successful. I mean, Phil had one of the best years of his career in Indy, and they, if not for Frank Reich being stupid, they would have beat the juggernaut Bills in the playoffs. And he like he performed well. So like, I, it reminds me a lot of that move. So I think he's going to find success there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. All you got to do is turn around and hand him the ball half the time and you'll be successful. So I think Indy looks good. I mean, I think for the AFC South, you kind of have to win that division to make the playoffs. So they're going to be in a race with the Titans um, with the way the rest of the AFC looks. So I think they have a a nice shot. I like the move. Yeah, I like the move as well. Um, I I think he's going to be a really good fit for Frank Reich. Obviously, he's aging. He's not what he once used to be, but I still think he's fine. Um, we look at Carson Wentz, and I, I know a lot of people just point at the stats. Like he only had twenty, he had twenty-seven touchdowns and seven interceptions, but he was just—it wasn't playing good football. He's very inefficient down the stretch, and I think Matt Ryan will kind of add some of that stability, some of that consistency for uh, the Colts. I know in Atlanta it was kind of bad the last couple of years, but I, I think when you look at Atlanta's roster versus. Indianapolis I think it's night and day and I think he's going to have a lot of success um, I still think they need to go out and get some more receive, receiving depth I know Pittman's there obviously um, they did lose Pascal to the Eagles um, but I think if they get him another receiver maybe Julio Jones kind of pair those two together um, I think Indy can make some noise and actually maybe win the AFC South yeah it's definitely a two-team race in the AFC South um, excuse me a move that kind of came together excuse me again, a very quick move today. Obviously the Tyreek Hill drama reports that they couldn't come to an extension. He was going to look for a trade. And then maybe not even an hour later, Miami swoops in and grabs him. They give up five draft picks, a first and a second included in that. Um, So monster deal. And all of a sudden KC is like, well, are they the weaker link in the AFC West now with Denver gearing up with Wilson and chargers adding pieces Obviously, with Herbert, I think Hill is just such an was such an integral part to that offense. It's like, what's Mahomes going to do without him? There's no more fucking flinging it down the field and just praying Tyreek is there. Um, he's a one of a kind wide receiver. I think they're going to miss him dearly. I think <clears throat> it's just in an off season that's already been so cracked. Like today, just I just still feel like we're living in this just fantasy world where it feels like Madden. Yeah. Um, and things are just happening that I never thought would happen. I mean, it really is the single-handed most crazy offseason I've ever experienced by like miles. Like this is on a completely different planet. Um, as far as the hill move goes, I kind of like it for Kansas City, right? Like I like it for Miami, but I also like it for Kansas City, right? They weren't gonna they felt like they weren't gonna be able to re-sign them. I think they're prioritizing their offensive line. It wouldn't shock me if they wanted to get a deal done with Orlando Brown um after this year. Um, and maybe not have to play them on the tag. So they were prioritizing their offensive line that's already really good. They've drafted so well there, and they're going to keep that together. So Mahomes is still going to have his time to roll outside the pocket and make all these crazy plays. You know, they got – they're talking to MVS. They brought in Juju. Kelsey's still there. Um, I still like Kansas City a lot. You, you get Justin Reed, who I think is, a, is an awesome safety. So – I like it for both sides. I think Miami gets a guy who I don't know about the fit with Tua, but, you know, having him there certainly helps. And it's just uh, just craziness right now. It's craziness. 
Yeah, it was a wild, uh, wild morning. I'm happy to see Tyreek Hill shipped out of the division. That guy's uncoverable. Yeah, right in the hours. Fuck us. Yeah, I mean he's coverable, but Trayvon Campbell cannot cover him. So I'm glad he's he's gone. Um, I still think the Chiefs <laughs> are the team to beat in the West. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league by far. Um, and I like, in my opinion, I think one of the easier things to replace is speed. Like you can draft a random guy who runs super fast. Like look at Deshaun Jackson, uh, like years ago, all he did was just run streaks down the field and scores touchdowns. So I feel like they can replace it. I mean, they have two first round picks. They'll draft someone. I saw they were interested in sky Moore, which I feel like a first round pick on him would be a little bit of a reach, but who fucking knows? I feel like maybe they're later the first guy. Yeah. Like the fucking, the Raiders are just known for drafting the fastest guy in the draft. I mean, the chiefs just take a page out of their playbook, draft some fucking guy and there you go. You're good. So, and MBS is a speed guy too. So just sign him. And I feel like they're in the same spot as they were. Yeah. Um, the chiefs will be able to replace Tyree kill. Obviously Tyree kill is a phenomenal player, but there there's definitely means in this draft that they'll be able to replace his production. Um, the first thing that I think should come to everybody's mind is Jameson Williams out of Alabama, just an absolute speedster, obviously coming off of the injury. But I think if you take those two first that you have, obviously they're layered in the first, but if you package them together, trade up, you, you can definitely get them. Um, and I think that would be an easy replacement. MVS, I'm not as high on. Um, I think he's more of just straight, just a straight line vertical threat. Whereas if you get Jameson Williams, he's going to be able to be vertical, but also horizontal across the field. Um, so I think that would be a very nice pairing to replace, uh, Tyreek Hill. So, but for Miami, um, it's kind of strange, I guess. Uh, I just, I literally just saw a tweet. It's like, you have Jalen Waddle and then you add Tyreek Hill. Like how much speed do you really need with two? Parker. Yeah. Um, but it's like those two speed guys that are vertical threats, like Tua doesn't have the strongest arm. So like, what is really your idea here is it just to run drags across the field and hope they just outrun somebody and Tua can actually hit them um but I mean I think Miami's right in the thick of things um we'll see what Mike McDaniel can do as a head coach and a play caller but um my only real takeaway I guess from this entire offseason is really Pats are fucked (laughs) that's my Pats are fucked isn't that for sure uh sticking on the topic of Miami they signed Teron Armstead the best offensive lineman available and probably best offensive lineman who was a free agent this offseason um to a five-year 75 million dollar deal uh just another dagger in the Pats fucking face I mean now you got a guy who's on Judon all the time uh, a guy who's on Von Miller all the time in the division so not looking good for New England. Uh, I'd honestly put Miami ahead of them right now in the standings if I had to. Um, I don't like what the Patriots have done simply because they haven't done anything of fucking notice. Uh, Malcolm Butler, woohoo, yay, Malcolm Butler, fucking trash, trash. I can't stand the Patriots offseason. They might have had – I think they are just losers by default for not doing anything right now. Yeah. Any thoughts on Armstead? Great signing. Uh, I think, I just think in general on the Dolphins, I feel like it's now on to, I mean, if you can't win throwing to Waddle and Hill and Gasicki, you have Edmonds and Moster, you have Armstead protecting you. If you can't fucking win, that guy's not your quarterback. I know Teddy, they asked Teddy, like, what's your role going to be? And he was pretty reluctant to say what they brought him in to do. So maybe there's something there. 
Um, but I feel like they're turning into the new the new Broncos who are, are just a quarterback away. Like the defense is good. The offense has young weapons uh, and they brought in Russell Wilson. So maybe come this next offseason, the Dolphins go fucking ape shit and bring in someone. So maybe Kyler Murray. Who knows? I don't know. The Dolphins do have nice two first round picks next year. So, yes. CJ Stroud. Let's bring him in. Oh boy. Um, Toronto Armstead's a very good signing. Um, just adds to the fact of the Pats are fucked. But, um, yeah, this is to his year to prove it. I don't think he will. Um, and they're going to have to find someone else. I think Teddy's a good quarterback that's there. If Tua really can't handle it, can maybe get them to the playoffs. But, I mean, I, I don't think they can win a championship this year with however good their roster is. But, um, yeah, that's really it. Uh, just a couple other signings we'll run through real quick. Allen Robinson to the Rams, uh, Lael Collins to Cincinnati, and Zadarius Smith to Minnesota. Um, I think all good signings, all good fits. I really have no no issues with the money, the years, any of that for the three of them. I think they all fill obvious needs. Rams obviously not bringing back Odell with this signing. Traded Woods to Tennessee. So um, I, I think – Good moves all around. Uh, a couple quick things. One, I felt like Allen Robinson is almost like Van Jefferson in a sense, like he'll run a lot of these deep vertical routes. And I don't know what that does to Van Jefferson. I don't know. Or I don't know if Robinson is going to be asked to do something different. Obviously, they got a plan for him. I think uh, that'll work out. Uh, for the Vikings, I think maybe that gives them the flexibility to maybe trade Daniel Hunter if they want to. I know that would save them a lot of money to maybe make another move. Um, I don't even know how the hell they could afford Smith, but. They found a way. So <laughs> if they do keep uh, Hunter and, uh, and then obviously with Smith, I think that's a great um, – that's great edge pass rush on both sides. It's scary. That would scare a lot of teams. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to say on these signings. I feel like there's a Darius Smith signing. Like how many – why are there so many players this year of all years fucking signing with teams and then not signing with teams and then going somewhere else? It happened like three or four times this year. It's very strange. <clears throat> it is weird. Um, the Allen Robinson signing, I, I find interesting. Um, obviously at the time they had woods, um, OBJ was projected to go back. You have Cooper cup Van Jefferson. Um, but if there's any coach, I think that is able to find a role for a player and execute it perfectly. It's Sean McVay. Um, and even or with Bill Robinson, eh, sure. Um, <laughs> I guess, yes, early in the 2000s and 2010s, but lately I, I come into question um, that ability. But anyway, regardless, um, I, I don't think this signing cancels the idea of Odell going back to the Rams. I mean, Odell's not going to be playing until November. Um, so he honestly could just sit it out and just wait. And maybe somebody on the Rams gets hurt, but he could also just go back there for a, a prove it deal almost for a, a couple months, make another run for a Super Bowl, and then he's in free agency with a healthy knee. So I, I don't think this eliminates the idea with him back in Los Angeles. That's a good point, Dan. I would quickly just uh, also add to like, there's still opportunities with these guys that are still available to make more impact signings, right? Matthew, Odell, Stefan Gilmore, Dwayne Brown, Clowney, Campbell, Ingram, Gronk. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Hughes, Hicks. Like, there's still so many guys out there that can make an impact for a lot of these contending teams. I'm curious to see where even like Julio, JC Treader, um, Anthony Barr, like these, these guys who are still out there. Curious to see where they sign. Yeah. Uh, Rant is Evans yep. this week. 
you let me know when you're ready, buddy. I'm good. All right. Yeah. So I kind of am just so I hate Patriots fans in some in a lot of ways. Um, I've always kind of hated Patriots fans who think that the team can do nothing wrong. And I'm a part of the New Hampshire here at UNH, uh, do like sports writing for them. And we have a group chat with us. Uh, there's like seven of us guys. And uh, one of my friends, Josh, put in the chat to Sean Watson, the deal that he signed. I'm like, the paths aren't making it. And uh, there's this kid bracket. And I know they won't listen, so I have no idea that I'm calling him out. <laughs> but um, it's just he's a Pats defender. Uh, it's insane to me. Um you know, I'll just kind of read some of these texts. I said the Bengals, Bills, Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, Titans, Colts are all better. Um, and he responds, LOL. So he's just clearly not engaged with the conversation. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he just talks about how, um, you know, this it's the exact type of offseason that has sustained success for the greatest dynasty in the history of sport. Well, guess what? Tom Brady's not here. Gronk's not here. Like Edelman's not here. Edelman's, it's just different fucking times. And um, like it's the Patriot way to not spend money and not make the team better and, and all this stuff. They could still improve in the draft. How can you sit here and fucking with a straight face and tell me that the Patriots are fucking playoff team right now? You should be embarrassed with that take. That is an awful take. This Patriots team is nowhere close to making the playoffs next season with what other teams in the AFC have done. It bothers me because there are so many Pats fans that think, oh, it's Bill. He's got this magical plan. Oh, my God. We can't criticize Bill. Of course you can fucking criticize Bill. Why wouldn't we're criticizing Bill? Why would you not criticize Bill? He's he's watched the offseason. It feels like you trade your best lineman for a fifth-round pick. Great move. You haven't signed one signature free agent. What the fuck are you doing? Like, and why can't I criticize Bill? There's just so many Patriots fans like that that we obviously know. You can criticize the team when they're making questionable moves and not and not signing guys when they have money. So it's a bunch of bullshit. I agree 100%. I, I cannot stand. I mean, and Evan, uh, maybe I used to be one of these. You guys. did. I mean, when um, Brady, we yeah. didn't think Brady would leave. I was like, well, Brady could leave. No, well, I think the Brady topic is a little different. Um, but in terms of the Patriots, I agree wholeheartedly. There, there's, there's, You could list any number of AFC teams that have – even improve more than them and still won't make the playoffs. Jacksonville's done way more than the New England Patriots have this offseason, and they're nowhere close to making the playoffs, but they're making a fucking effort. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Patriots aren't making an effort. They obviously want to win. And next season, if everything holds true right now, next season they are set to have a lot of money available. But so maybe Bill looks at this as kind of a lost year where so many teams have improved so drastically that there's no way with the money we have available, they could make any sort of a push to get on the same level as those teams. But it is frustrating. And, you know, I think most of it is we've just been spoiled our whole lives with winning. And I know Newman knows nothing about that, (laughs) Um, but we've just been spoiled our whole lives with winning. And when you look losing in the eye, it's hard to fucking swallow. Sometimes you gotta swallow it. Yeah, you gotta put. Yeah, when you go when yep. you go four and th- when you go four and twelve for years and years, it's <laughs> you understand. I mean, the Pats were the biggest spenders last year, so it's not like they're not willing to spend. Yeah, exactly. 
And last year, when Bill spent all that money, every Patriots fan on the planet praised him for being a giant spender and improving the team drastically. What happened to the Patriot way last season? Huh? Bracket, you motherfucker? Huh? <laughs> well, hey, I mean, they made the playoffs. So clearly, I mean, the only signing that we could like to look at and say, what the fuck was Johnu? Yeah. I mean, but like, well, Hunter did, Henry made an impact. I did say Judon made an impact. To, to, what the fuck to giving John U. Smith $12 million a year and not J.C. Jackson sixteen and a half? What the fuck is that? That's a what the fuck question. Uh, and Newman obviously is saying thank fuck, but <laughs> I think that, that that's – if there's one thing that has really irritated me this offseason, it's losing J.C. I mean, there's no way they are possibly going to go into next year with Jalen Mills. Yeah, I know Newman. Jalen Mills as your number one, right? Maybe Malcolm Ball. It has to be a draft. But then they what, need a receiver. What about the watch receiver? Yeah, that's that's where I was going. Yeah, uh, we'll wrap this up. It's been a long pod. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later. Peace. Out. Peace. Put your tears away. Ain't no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. What you ain't done yet Take the keys, leave the regrets Write your letters, place your bets I'll be the one who accepts Look at the